When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Turn up your volume, because you're about to listen to The Sick Podcast, with Tony Maradero. No, 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 no. It's with me, Matt O'Han. The Sickest Montreal Canadiens Podcast. Now, a 24th Stanley Cup banner will hang from the rafters of the famous forum in Montreal. The Canadians win the Stanley Cup. Brought to you by Energy Transportation Group. Driven to be different. 8.6 beer. Intense by nature. And Lacage. If the last time you went to Lacage was when the Habs won the Cup, it's time you went back to Lacage. It's going to be sick. Good Friday evening, Montreal and Montreal Canadiens fans. I am Matt O'Han. Tony Marinaro is off tonight, so you know what that means. Italian Stallion out, Hebrew Hammer in. Speaking of the Hebrew Hammer, you may have seen a tweet about our sick picks last week. Uh, It was largely popular, especially amongst my friends, because I, not to toot my own horn, but I went 5-0. So the return of sick picks will be back uh, within the last 10 minutes of the podcast. So uh, stick around for that as uh, the sick podcast is brought to you by Energy Transportation Group. Uh, They are a leading and full-service logistics provider serving all of North America. Energy Transportation Group, driven to be different. What a week it was for the Montreal Canadiens. Kind of an odd one, and it wraps up tomorrow when they take on the Pittsburgh Penguins from the Bell Center. So we're going to talk Habs, of, as we always do to start off the show, and we bring in from Habs Eyes on the Prize, Andrew Zadarnowski. Andrew, how are you? Oh, I'm doing pretty good. Yourself, Matt? Uh, I see my camera's I'm- not working. Uh, listen, uh, these things happen when you do a live they podcast. Do. It's all good. <laughs> so uh, I'm doing well. I'm doing well. How about yourself? Yeah, not too bad. Not too bad. So uh, Hebrew Hammer, I'm the Polish Prince. Uh, it's good that we all have like little nicknames kicking around. Yeah, that's it. That's it. Uh, all right, perfect. So the Polish Prince, I like that. All right. So uh, Andrew, it's a interesting week for the Canadians. And I say interesting because, you know, heading into this week, they're on a three game losing streak. And they go, they travel into Detroit, which is not typically the kindest arena and the kindest city to the Canadians in recent past. And I mean, they're able to eke out the win. A lot of people uh, found it a pretty entertaining game. I had a little bit of a a little bit of a different view on it than Tony did when we spoke on Tuesday. Uh, I'm, I'm curious to get your thoughts on what you made of that game. Um, well, like you said, uh, Detroit hasn't always been the most, um, favorable for the bunch of Canadians in terms of, uh, of, of arenas that they visit. Uh, and, but, uh, they, they managed to hang in there. And I think what we ended up seeing in that game is sort of that the solidification of that top line chemistry between Suzuki, uh, Caulfield and, uh, and Kirby doc. Now Kirby doc, there's been a lot of question marks around where he fits into the lineup. 
Uh, you know, is he a center? Is he a winger? I mean, my personal opinion is that he fits wherever he works. Uh, and right now we see him working on the top line with Nick Suzuki and with Cole Caulfield. And the three of them really, um, you know, th they're driving this team right now, a team that's, you know, people had very little expectations of. But, uh, you know, the good news is, is that the young kids, the the next core, the next generation is 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 taking the lead uh, for the Montreal Canadiens right now. And I think we saw that in, in that shootout win against Detroit. Yeah, and and it's I'm, I'm happy you brought up uh, two things. You brought up Nick Suzuki, Cole Caulfield, and you brought up Kirby Doc because those are all things I wrote down before. Uh, naturally, as you said, they lead the Canadians in almost every category, so I'm doing something right. So uh, let's let's start on that Tuesday night game. Uh, interesting because, like you said, they're able to hang around. Uh, a lot of people said. Very, very good win by the Canadians. I saw it a little differently. I really didn't like their game uh, in the first period. Kind of expected, as we both know, uh, Detroit, uh, not the best city that the Canadians play in. They don't usually have their best performances there. Um, but really, Jake Allen was just, I mean, it's been, other than Cole Caulfield and Nick Suzuki, the story of the season, and the reason why I say that is because Cole Caulfield and Nick Suzuki get all the love, you know, scoring 17 out of the Canadians' 42 goals. And uh, yeah. this I had to calculate in advance. Uh, 40.5% of, uh, of their goals are coming off those two sticks. So uh, with that, we see Kirby Doc on the wing. Um, now, I, I, I kind of find it fitting. I don't know how you see this. I find it fitting that you say... Uh, that Kirby Doc works best wherever he plays because when he's brought he's brought in, everyone's saying, "Oh my God, the Canadians have their second line center." That's it; they did it, and now we see him on the wing. So, and I kind of just feel like that's how things have gone under Martin Saint Louis. Uh, you know, go with the flow. We know they don't do structured plays. We know they work off concepts. I don't know. I, I mean, I just think I'm really happy for Kirby Doc because I felt like he was getting a lot of uh, a lot of What's the best way I could put this? Uh, you know, unmerited flack heading into the right. season. So, uh, and, I, I mean, how do you see it? Well, Kirby Doc, I mean, obviously, um, there's there's always the specter, and I'm going to go back a few years here, the specter of trading uh, Mikhail Sergachev for Jonathan Drua. You know, right. and, and, and the, the sort of that kind of the, you know, the stink from that trade that kind of lingered because of this indirect Alexander Romanov for Kirby Doc trade. Uh, and I think, uh, you know, our, the fans generally have been sort of um, uh, conditioned to be negative towards these sort of trading a top prospect defenseman for a, you know, a, a potential center or some kind of, you know, maybe a top six, top six forward. And I, and I think um, that's where the initial feelings were for Kirby Doc in that they, you know, the Canadians traded a, a fan favorite in Alexander Romanov to acquire him. And, and he wasn't really, you know, being a big deal. Um, to say that, yeah, the Canadians acquired their second line center. Well, that's an unknown, you know, he played center. He was center and junior, but I, I'm a very much a, um, a believer in players develop and they develop chemistry and they develop sort of once they get into pro they develop strengths and weaknesses and as we've seen with a lot of players some you know work better on the wing than than their predestined center position and i think kirby doc right now um, i'm not saying he's going to be a winger for life but right now in his development curve it's important to um, you know to keep his confidence up not knock his confidence so play him somewhere where he's 
comfortable. And it just so happens to his benefit that he's comfortable playing on the top line with two of the, you know, the, the stars of the Montreal Canadiens, the next core. Uh, and and that, that augurs very well for him for his first future. And maybe he will become that second line center down the line. But for now, uh, he's in a position uh, to, to develop while succeeding. And that's, I think we haven't seen a lot of young Canadian prospects develop in a successful way in, in, in many years. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, it's funny you say uh, the specter of trading a uh, defenseman for, for you know, uh, not not necessarily a failed third overall pick. It's kind of hard to deem someone a failure at 21 years old. Um, but it, I'll, I'll take it a step further of, you know, you see Alex Galchenyuk get drafted third overall. And then he starts off his career on the wing and everyone's kind of thinking even before he gets started, oh, here we go. You know, mm-hmm. so it's I, I just find it so interesting in the way that, you know, the the players are kind of they're put into different situations. They're kind of I, I, it feels like they're kind of being all purpose tools uh, when they can't find a solidified uh, spot in the roster, you know, and solidifying them, cementing them as that second line center, as many people thought. And, and, and so he's working really well with Nick Suzuki and Cole Caulfield. And, and that's been a problem. One of the, well, small problems for the Canadians this year is they haven't been able to solidify that third guy to play with them. Uh, well, it seems like they just have. So in, in your view, what, what in his game is making him so successful with those two guys? Tough, tough to say. I mean, it's, it's hard to, to quantify or qualify chemistry. And, and I think what we're seeing is sort of a, a natural um, understanding of where each one's going to be on the ice, a natural kind of coming together of, of what these players, you know, expect from one another on a line. Uh, I, I'm definitely not an expert in, in, in quantifying chemistry but they whatever whatever chemistry is whatever that whole notion of players having chemistry is i I think these players have it i mean a lot of people were talking that they wanted to see uri slavkovsky uh as that third player on that line and and it it you know they i think they had a chance for one game but it it didn't feel natural it still felt forced it still felt like slavkovsky wasn't ready to be in that position whereas kirby doc who you know who who had question marks around him all all season thus far um, has seemingly left those question marks behind. He's he's proven sort of the naysayers that he's capable of playing on a top line, um, but it's not necessarily at center. But it is with the the top line of the Montreal Canadiens, and and just that line alone is now beating uh, the prognosticators. What people are expecting this team to be, they're expecting this team to be awful, and and they were expecting the Montreal Canadiens to kind of develop at their usual pace of you know having top prospects foot playing on the fourth line on the wing and and we're seeing something different this year where a guy like kirby doc is able to uh not just play on the top line but hang with the top line with the top lines of other teams yeah um so i like i like what you said there and we're gonna pick up on it just after this uh eight the sick podcast also brought to you by 8.6 beer intense by nature the beer for those who follow their instinct and live their passions in order to make their mark okay so uh we're both not chemistry experts we both i mean i don't know i haven't done it was my worst subject in high school well, you know, it's funny you say that. I, I failed I failed science pretty bad in sec three uh, or in grade nine, rather. Uh, so, um, but um, 
were I mean, to my knowledge, you haven't played in the NHL, correct? Correct. I have not played uh, any games in, in the NHL. Yes. Right. Perfect. Okay. So we're in the same boat here. Um, but it, it just, it looks like, you know, because you, you watch Nick Suzuki and Cole Caulfield play, the, the chemistry is just, it, it's so blatantly obvious there. And it was there from the get-go of this season, mm-hmm. probably even into last season. Uh, you look at last season, it was there. And they're playing with such an elevated sense of confidence, you know, it's just you you've you've probably been watching hockey more than I like longer than I have so is putting a guy who I don't want to say he was struggling because he was still putting up a couple numbers here and there but putting a guy in that position especially a young player you know it kind of feels like you're putting him under good pressure there's good pressure and bad pressure and it felt like they put him under good pressure and that's just it seems like it's a great quality to have if you could relish that opportunity you know, one of the major things in the NHL to be a top line player is you must rise to the occasion. You know, there's a lot of players that are put in positions like that and, and they crumble under the pressure. They're not able to, to handle it. I mean, uh, not to pick on Jonathan Drew, but it just freshened my mind in terms of uh, comparables. When he joined the Montreal Canadiens, they anointed him as their top line center. Uh, and that season was a disaster because Duran was was not the right person for that role. He was not uh, ready for that role. He wasn't uh, suitable for that role. Uh, all, all negatives, obviously. Um, someone like Suzuki, I was worried about the same thing. Like, are is he going to be able to uh, handle the pressure? Is that something that he's able? Is he ready for? Where is he in his development track? Uh, and sure enough, um, you know, he's proven. Um, I wouldn't say proven me wrong because I wasn't saying he w- couldn't do it, but you know, mm. he's definitely proven himself in that role that he's capable of being at the top line center for the Montreal Canadiens. Uh, and in terms of Cole Caulfield, I also had concerns about playing you know, two young guys on the same line together. You know, do, do you keep on the same line? Do you play, do you split them up? Do you put veterans on the lines with them to kind of like, you know, show them along? what they did is just they took the two best young prospects they had put them on a line together and just went to see what happens and and what happens is 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 magic it's it's success what what's happening with them is is you have a successful a successful combination on the top line for the Montreal Canadiens and as a result uh, of not just that but uh, you know a lot of people said Montreal Canadiens were going to be at the bottom of the league this year again i never saw it that way because they weren't the worst team last year either just had a terrible string of bad luck um so i think this season overall we're gonna see montreal um do way better than expected but it'll be towards you know the middle of the pack so my i guess the next question naturally uh is can you see that falling off because you know they're doing well they're they're performing above expectations they're they are a middle of the pack team right now there's no debating Mm -hmm. that but you know I get the sense, and this is based off no inside information, obviously, but it just feels like, you know, with the way that Jeff Gordon and Kent Hughes spoke since the moment they came in, um, that it kind of doesn't matter if they're exceeding expectations this year. They're going to stay the course of what they want to do. And what I mean by that is, at least I see it this way, I'm curious to get your thoughts, is that they're still going to deal a Mike Hoffman if they get the chance. They're still going to deal Nevgeny Dodonov if they have the chance. They're still going to deal Sean Monaghan and, and, you know, kind of put this team in a position, you know, not intentionally, but they're going to, they're, you know, the politically, the political way of saying it is, you know, they're going to put, give the younger guys a chance by moving bodies out. But, 
you know, we could call it how it is, you know, they're going to put this team in a position to improve their draft pick and lose games. I, I don't know. I feel like even by deadline, if they're still middle of the pack, they're still going to stay that course. Um, I mean, a couple of things there. First of all, ob- yeah, they're definitely going to be looking at trading out several veteran forwards. There's, there's no doubt about it. That's part of the plan. I, it makes perfect sense. Um, what's important for me right now is that this team is not, is, is that a guy like Mike Hoffman or Evgeny uh, Dadanov are not leading the team in scoring. For me, what's important is that's guys like Caulfield and Suzuki and Kirby Doc that are up there. Uh, guys like uh, Cade and Gooley who are contributing to the offense as well. I, I believe Gooley is a top uh, point producing defenseman. I, I, I'm pretty sure maybe close to Savard as well, but you know, people talk about tanking for the future. Well, I would be talking about tanking for the future and trading off assets as fast as possible if it was the the David Savards and that Mike Hoffman's leading the team in scoring. But what we're seeing is that we're seeing the youth that's in place leading the team now. Um, so is there a need to to tank? Is there a need to to like try to like bottom out this team? I don't think so. I think in that in that sense, the team has already bottomed out and they're kind of working their way up. So the dreams of drafting a Conrad Bedard this year. Um, they're not going to happen. It's not going to happen unless they win the, um, the what do you call it? Then the the the, the, lottery. the right. draft lottery. Thank you. Draft lottery. There you uh, go. Tip <laughs> of my tongue. Um, you know that's the only way they're getting into Bedard territory is if they win the lottery. But um, you know they're not they're not a bottom bottom feeding team. Uh, definitely trading off those those assets like Dadnov and maybe Druin. Uh, definitely in the books. But um, what's their value right now? Um, I'm happy that the youngsters are leading the charge. But at the same time, we're not seeing that kind of secondary scoring from Hoffman or Drouin or Dadnov or, or Sean Monaghan uh, to make them an attractive pickup at the trade deadline. So um, I, I, th- I think that's a bigger problem for, for Gorton Hughes is that these guys that they're going to be looking to trade assets for um, aren't worth very much right now, and and to me that's the that's a bigger concern than um, than where they're going to be drafting, what position they're going to be drafting. Yeah, uh, I, I'm I'm going to agree on most of the points, but I'm going to disagree with one because I, I had this thought, you know, especially after watching, you know, Hoffman kind of break his slump. I'm not going to say he's back and he's going to score 30 goals this year. He's back, um, baby. Yeah, that's it. He's back. Fire it up. Um, no, but. The the way I see Hoffman, he's an interesting one because we know he's uh, he's pretty one dimensional. Um, you, you get him for goals and you get him for the power play. If you're asking him to play defense, you're probably you're probably not doing your your job properly. Um, so what? It's just I find the game against Detroit highlighted something to me that you know other teams are watching this the, the Canadians because they know they're going to be selling off assets at one point and. You look at a guy like Hoffman who doesn't really provide much other than scoring, as we said, and I don't know. I feel like teams can feel like they can put him in a position where he can play with two top guys and, you know, just throw him out there when they need him. Canadians retain some salary and, you know, if you have a better supporting cast around him, they'll feed him the puck and he'll and he'll he'll do what he does best, which is put the puck in the back of the net. It's kind of how I see it. I mean, is that inflated because of his last two games having three goals? Probably, but I don't know. I, I feel like he has more value than people are giving him credit for. 
And that's fair. I mean, people, uh, GMs are not going to judge a player by his most recent game. They're going to judge him by sort of his kind of this track record over several seasons. So in that sense, I think GMs know what they're going to get into Mike Hoffman. They know what they're going to get into Evgeny Dadnov. I mean, there's no secrets on these guys anymore. These guys have been in the league for several years and their, their value is known and their, their, their value to the team is well known. Um, if anything, if these guys are underperforming, uh, GMs are going to try to, you know, bid low with uh, with Kent Hughes and try to get a deal. Uh, and I, I don't know if Kent Hughes will have much of a uh, of a bargaining position if these players aren't performing. So uh, it, it's all debatable. Obviously, it's all it's all kind of you know there, there, there's there's certain pros and cons to the debate. We know they're going to be gone at one point or another. Um, you can't trade off all the veterans. Obviously, you have to surround the, the the rookies and the young players with some veteran presence, with some kind of um, wisdom and, you know, aged wisdom. You know, uh, that's why a guy like Brendan Gallagher will be around. I don't see him going anywhere unless he he requests a trade out of the city, which I don't think he will. Um, but then there's a the question of all the other ones. Jonathan Drouin has always talked about wanting to stay in Montreal. Uh, you know, he's he's not producing points right now, but that's probably because he's been put into a, a different role on the team right now as a as an aged veteran who uh, they need for as a steady presence versus putting the pressure on him to produce points. Maybe he's happier right now. Maybe he's doing exactly what the coach is asking him to do. So, you know, there's going to be certain players like that that will stay with the team for the foreseeable future. But other players like, you know, maybe Armia is a guy that may uh, may uh, find a new destination by the end of this by the end of the season. Um, we'll, we'll see. Uh, it's all very interesting. I'm especially interested with uh, Joel Edmonston and Mike Matheson to see if they finish the season in Montreal or a guy like David Savard as well. Will he finish uh, the season in Montreal? You can't just have rookie defensemen. You're right. Um, but, you know, talk about, uh, you know, talk about veterans leading, leading the charge there. Uh, whew, David Savard, what a season. I mean, I, I think, you know, through, what is it, uh, 14 games this year, I've I've turned into his biggest fan. Uh, seriously, I mean, just with the expectation of what this team was supposed to be, and going out there every night and putting your body on the line, and, and you know, block shots. I, I will argue till the end that it's not. It's more of a characteristic of someone, less so than a statistic, um, because you know you're you're literally putting your body on the line when you don't really have to. It's just unbelievable to see what he's been doing and leading by example in that way. Um, you said the word rookie piqued my interest because it's not all sunshine and daisies. Um, I want to get your take on this. Uh, the, the Uri Slavkovsky hit, you know, mm -hmm. I think the refs got it right. You know, five, five in a game for sure. Hit him in the numbers. That's what happens. The two game suspension, I was super surprised by, I mean, because I said, I said, he's not going to get suspended. And if he does worst case scenario, it's one game. Uh, just curious to know if you saw it the same way. I mean, that spin the wheel of justice, right? How many games is he going to get zero or 10? Uh, I, I have a hard time uh, finding any sort of pattern with, uh, with how players are, are, are suspended or not suspended. Uh, if anything, you know, maybe they're trying to set a precedent. Maybe they're trying to draw a bit of a harder line against players. But uh, compare the hit that Uri Slavkovsky gave and the hit that Uri Slavkovsky took several mm -hmm. games back. They, they looked very similar to, to me. One led to an injury, an unfortunate injury and, and a suspension. 
the other one just you know a little bit of a scrum afterwards and nothing else happened um it just seems to me i don't know it's i i can't debate i can't debate suspensions honestly i don't like seeing people hurt um you know so if that's going to set a precedent for for more safety on the ice for players then I'm all for it. It's just unfortunate that in Uri Slavkovsky's 10th game, when his entry-level contract kicks in, yeah. right off the bat, he's donating to the uh, player assistance fund. It, it, it just, it kind of, the, the only thing that annoyed me, because again, I'll say it, the refs got it right. You know, he hit him in the numbers and it was a dangerous play. The only thing I will say is, is what you said, you know, you compare the two hits, kind of look the same. And the precedent, I don't, I like setting the precedent for player safety. What I don't like is the precedent being, okay, he got hurt on the play, so we're going to hand him a suspension. It's kind of like the four-minute for drawing blood penalty. Um, yeah. That's that, that's that's all. That's the way I see yeah, it. Is, if if know, the player wasn't injured, would it be a different result? I don't know. I, I yeah, you're right. I don't like I don't like the injury determining the severity of the of the punishment. I think the act itself should be, you know, the, the act itself should be judged and not the the uh you know the, the what what the act causes right um so uh if i'm not mistaken we're gonna move on to a different team uh one that you do keep your eye on the sure. laval rocket yep uh because a question came in and and i'm certainly not qualified to answer this but i feel like you might be because you keep a close eye on them is uh uh fool in laval is not a huge hire this comes from uh, nicholas mckeegan by the way so yeah uh Jeff Hool is in Laval, not a Hughes hire. He seems to be playing more vets uh, than prospects. Do you think he's on the hot seat if he keeps trying to win instead of focusing on player development? And, you know, it's kind of a double-edged sword because if he is focusing on winning, yeah, they won in overtime today, but kind of off to a slow start, the Laval Rocket are. They're off to a slow start, and I'll tell you what, I don't necessarily agree with that uh, with that statement or or what he's saying there. Um, a guy like Xavier Simono, he's playing top line right now uh, through merit. He worked his way up from from like fourth line or whatever it was to start the season to playing on the top line and uh, fully earned via merit. Uh, a guy like Rafael Harvey Pinard, you know, he's playing the top six as well. Uh, the guys that deserve to be there are there. The guys that don't deserve there are not there. Sure, at the beginning of the season you're going to start your veterans on the top six and, and kind of see how things go. Uh, maybe that's what he's referring to. But, uh, you know, you have Gabriel Bork. He's he's playing on the fourth line. Um, a guy like Jan Mishak, um, he doesn't deserve to play in the top six right now based on the way he's playing in the bottom six. So, you know, you, you can't just play prospects on the top six because they're your prospects. You know, there, there has to be a sort of merit, 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 I'm not going to pronounce that word right. Meritocracy. It's Friday night. Don't worry about it. That's the one. Meritocracy. Meritocracy. <laughs> um, there has to be that system in place where players earn the minutes, you know, and if, if you're a veteran or you're a rookie, whatever, you got to earn it. Um, and, and that's what I, that's what the way I see the Laval rocket, like Alex Belzil, you know, he is the steady presence. Uh, so I wouldn't take too many minutes away from him. He's a team captain for a reason. Um, but like I said, Xavier Simino is a perfect example of, you know, you play well, you're going to earn your minutes. Uh, Peter Abandonado, um, you know, he's earning his minutes with, uh, with the Laval Rocket as well. He was, you know, signed from the, from the Lions. Uh, he played with the Lions last season, uh, made his way up to the Rocket and he's kind of working his way up as well. 
Um, we saw Rem Pitlick today play on, on the top line and he did very well for the Laval Rocket. You know, a guy just came down, you're not going to bump him down to like, you know, bottom six. You, you want to keep his confidence up and, and, you know, give him that top line position and, and he earned it. He got two points, almost scored uh, the winning goal as well. You know, he, he played an excellent game on that top line with, with Xavier Simino. So um, it's it's definitely uh, like I'll just go back to that question. I don't I don't agree with that statement. Um, mm -hmm. It's not it's not what's happening. Um, but uh, you know, but some youngsters or, or rookies or, or prospects are not playing minutes because they haven't proven themselves yet. Well, there you, well there you go. There's the answer to that. So I guess naturally the next question would be, um, who who are you most excited to see from Laval? Uh, you know, when the injuries inevitably happen, when bodies mm -hmm. start, you know, being shipped out, who are you excited to see uh, put on don the, uh, the Canadians jersey and get a shot? Well, for me, the one guy I want to see at the NHL now uh, is in, in a make or break year is Jesse Alonen. Um, mm -hmm. I think he, he has an excellent shot. His shot is NHL caliber. Um, there's other parts of his game that still need some, to, some development or at least uh, need to improve on. Um, if he doesn't get a call up to the NHL this year, it's one of those kind of like, you know, if he's not there, he won't be there kind of situations. Uh, so if, if there isn't very many scoring prospects in the, in the AHL for the Montreal Canadiens. So what you really want is, uh, is basically to see if Jesse Alonen as a scoring prospect can hack it in the NHL. Um, besides that, you know, Raphael Harvey Pinard is another guy who's definitely going to play in the NHL this year. He's got he's that kind of that kind of character player that he'll fit in easily on a fourth line and 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 work his way up in the at the NHL level. So um between those are the two guys that I would keep my eye on. There's obviously Justin Barron, which who got a lot of uh a lot of attention because he was acquired by Kent Hughes uh last year for for uh, Arturi Lekkonen. Mm -hmm. Um from what I'm seeing, like he made the he made a brilliant pass for the winning goal today. By the way, uh, if anyone catches the replays, you'll see just absolute laser tape to tape for the winning goal. But um, he still makes a lot of mistakes. Um, so I don't, you know, Justin Barron um, it wouldn't necessarily be my first call up from Laval. Uh, Corey Schwenneman, you know, he's he's a known commodity at the NHL level. You know, he's not a guy that's going to be in your top four, but he's a guy who can play your bottom pairing, and and you know what you'll get. So, you know, in terms of, of who we would get the first call uh, for on defense, it'd be Corey Schwenneman, not uh, Justin Barron. Justin Barron can use a whole year uh, in Laval. Otto Leskinen is another guy we don't talk much about. He came back to the organization this year. You know, he might uh, sneak into their, uh, into the conversation as well. Yeah, and I, I think it's uh, we, we're we're running short on time, so I, it's I mean I could talk prospects all day, and I know you can too. So, <laughs> so uh, sorry. I, I mean, yeah, it's I mean no, it's great, and it's great stuff because I'm I'm really excited. That's one name I'm super super excited about is Justin Barron, and I think the Habs uh, they really got a good one in him in uh, in that trade. That was uh, some unbelievable work by both GMs, frankly, because you know Colorado mm -hmm. won the cup. They did so on the, uh, some of off the hands of Arturi Nalekinen had a big hand in that. So, uh, uh, Andrew, I want to thank you for your time uh, on this Friday night. So uh, where can everyone find your work? Um, these days, well, first of all, the website's uh, Habs Eyes on the Prize. I usually hang around there. Uh, not, a, not a main contributor these days, but uh, that's kind of where I hang my hat. Uh, and on Twitter, at, uh, at A. Zardarsky, A. Zardarsky, yeah. 
however you want to pronounce it. Uh, that's that's where I am. Um, and if anyone's interested, 514 shirts. It's a little side thing I got going. Uh, right. Yeah. So that's where you can find me more or less. All right. Perfect. So uh, I want to thank you, Polish Prince, and uh, have a great rest of your evening and have a great night. Hebrew Hammer, it's been a pleasure. All right. That's Andrew Zadarnowski. Uh So that was Habs Talk. It's Friday. You know what that means. Hit it. TGIF. Thank God it's Friday. It's also football with Matt O'Hare. Burrow hooks a pass. Wide open chase. Touchdown, Bengals. That's right. Thank God it's football. Wow, what a week for me as a Bengals fan. Uh, just crazy, the bounce back they had. And Joe Mixon, I could talk about his day last Sunday forever. But we're going to talk about this coming week. Uh, but first, the sick podcast brought to you by Lacage. If the last time you went to Lacage was when the Habs won the cup, it's time you go back to Lacage. The menu will surprise you. And to talk football, we bring in from the sick podcast from Detroit, Detroit Beastie, a.k.a. Chris Robin. Chris Thank you for joining the show. Thank God it's Friday. And wh- while you were talking hockey, I could talk hockey all day. I was on with Tony, I believe, Tuesday. And for that simple fact, I think my Q rating actually has gone up in Canada just from one broadcast with Tony, you know, on the, on his sick podcast. So this is what my forte, you know what I mean? Football and to be fair, mm-hmm. hockey DFS, which I don't know how much, you know, uh, you guys, uh, you know, shuffle with that. But uh, I- I'm happy. TJF, as you said. Yeah, TJF indeed. Uh, Let's take a look at this Sunday slate because uh, as you are a DFS expert, uh, I'm sure you also are, you know, you'll place a dollar or two down on some games, I'm sure. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, that's what I do. And I... If anybody cares, I don't want to bring the thing to a screeching halt, but I have betting liens. I don't know if I could zoom in or if this is professional, but I have have every game. (laughs) I have every game and like three or four betting trends on each game. And I have a betting, uh, uh, you know, a betting lien for each game. So this is just a lock and load every week to me. So I'm just happy that you're going to have me on in the sick podcast folks here, because I could finally, you know, use a hundred percent of my notes rather than just dribbing and drabbing on social media through the week. Well, perfect, because uh, just to let you know, um, we're under some pressure because last week I gave my sick picks and I ended up going five and oh, so I look like a genius right now. So we got to keep that going. And, you know, we're going to give I'm going to give those at the end of the episode. But what I want to bounce off of you right off the bat, this line, you know, it doesn't make any sense to me. And I want to see if it makes sense to you is, you know, Seattle traveling technically to Tampa Bay, they're really traveling to Germany. Um, and, you know, Tampa Bay, the considered the home team, Seattle, two and a half point dogs to the Tampa Bay Bucks. I mean, I just, I can't make any sense of it. Can you? No, well, I, I can a little bit when this, when the, when everything was, uh, let, let's say, uh, oh, Sunday, a week ago past Sunday. And even into Monday when Vegas comes out with the betting lines and to be fair, they're very good at what they do. When this thing opened, Seattle was getting a point and a half. And that's how much mm. this thing has shifted from, you know, last Sunday or Monday all the way to the, to, you know, Friday where we are now. So as we go into Sunday in what's it, Hamburg, Germany, that one kicks off at like 9 30 AM Eastern time here 
here uh, in Detroit. So I've, to be fair, in all my years of sports betting, I could probably count on uh, one hand, maybe two, the way the line has shifted that much. Normally you get an over-under, they shave a point, they add a point, you know, or they, you know, plus minus. But by then it's just a pick them. This team was plus one. Now they're minus one. Now it's even. So the, the line movement here, Seattle was plus one and now they're minus points tells you all you need to know. And when you look at this one here, I, I actually starred some of this stuff because Seattle Tampa Bay is very interesting to me, given the fact that it's in Hamburg at that early in the morning, that's probably going to be all hands off, but I have no problem telling, telling people what to do uh, with their money and not mine. Right. But when you look at the Seattle four and oh, against the spread, their last five game four games, excuse me, the over uh, has hit in four of Seattle's last seven Tampa Bay has been bad news against the spread zero six and one their last seven games against the spread mm-hmm. and the under has hit in Tampa Bay's four of last five games I have Seattle to to not just run away with this thing but I have Seattle to win this one 24 to 20 so you, you could take whatever point side you want Seattle's going to win this one outright and there goes Tom Brady uh, unfortunately back into the toilet I mean I like the guy but uh, in terms of f- <laughs> football football and winning in the college he went to but to me uh, everything is just pointing away from from Tampa Bay so give me Seattle Geno Smith and Kenny Walker who would have thought uh you okay so I'm happy you got the betting trends because I got a stat for you and I'm excited to throw this one at you so we're going to take a look at New Orleans at Pittsburgh Pittsburgh one and a half point dogs to the the Saints I'm I mean it's kind of weird for me as a Bengals fan to be all over the Pittsburgh Steelers in this week but I mean you know Mike Tomlin is this is the stat for you Mike Tomlin as a home dog are you ready for this one 15 3 and 3 against the spread that is just one of the craziest trends i had ever heard so i mean new orleans defense is banged up and you know you kind of hope that pittsburgh could get the running game i mean this game screams under to me but i mean i'm taking pittsburgh on the line purely based off the fact that I think they should be maybe two-point favorites just because of that banged-up defense of New Orleans. No, you're on the right track. You are absolutely on the right track. And I think this game, it's perfect. Uh, if you need like that uh, uh, a kicker, right? If you're going to parlay, you know, I'll ask you, when you put a parlay together, how many how many teams? You, you Just two or three to play safe, or do you go wild and put in a lotto ticket every once in a while? So it uh, depends on the wager I'm throwing. Uh depends on the wager. But if I'm, throwing a, if I'm throwing a full unit or two, I'll usually just go uh, two teams. I'll go two. Beautiful. Well, I, what I'm telling you to do, and I'm actually going to do this, right? I, I, I said earlier that, I, but I would never do anything. I would never tell folks to do anything I wouldn't do myself. I think mm-hmm. actually Pittsburgh wins this one and everybody's looking New Orleans way. And when we go to this one, the over under, it opened at around 41 points. I think they struggle to get to like 35. That's just me. I have Pittsburgh to win this thing like 17 to 13, 17 to 14 and a real snoozer, if I may say so. And when you look at some of the the, the regular betting trends, Pittsburgh's two and four against the spread their last six. The under has come in uh, four and two their last six games. But when you look at the Saints after that, it, it kind of a laugher last time out for the Saints. We thought they were going to play well. And, and actually Carolina, if I'm not mistaken, beat them last time out. Andy Dalton couldn't hit the broadside of a barn. Mm-hmm. So this is a perfect spot to, to get in Pittsburgh as as like a kid, not a teaser. That's Keno, but a, a teaser or, or just like a, a end of your parlay. And that'll boost your 
your thing up. So give me Pittsburgh to win this one. I mean, I'm staying away from this thing from, from DFS or seasonal formats, but I do like mm-hmm. Pittsburgh to win this one. And to be fair, uh, I don't think I've said that out loud yet this week. So if you're, I'm going to get roasted for that, roast me. But Pittsburgh wins this one 17 to, let's call it 17 to 13. Yeah, I'm right there with you. I just think, and and plus the possible addition of TJ Watt is just, you know, that's just shifts it huge. so much. In my head. Yeah, huge. I mean, I, I, as a Bengals fan myself, I am like TJ Watt's biggest fan. I will advocate for calling him the best player in the NFL by far any day of the week. You, if TJ Watt needs a, needs someone to back him up, he could call me no problem instead of calling his brother JJ. Yeah, um, and in the future, <laughs> if I may, in the future, if, if TJ, you know, uh, you know, needs a needs you know some new organ or something, I'm sure JJ will do because JJ's going to retire soon. So if unfortunately mm-hmm. if TJ's arm gets ripped off, I'm sure JJ Watt would go here. You could take my arm. It's the same body, same blood, all that. So just uh probably a failed attempt at a joke but hey it's <laughs> no but i get what you're saying you know it's just it's it's unfortunate when you have a guy like that and his, his career not really his career but you know you see him miss so much time with injuries and just you know i've never i i've never cheered for an injury ever it's just it, football is better when the best players are playing and football is no better doubt. when tj watt is playing no matter how many headaches he's given me over the years. Um, when okay. he's on his game, he is one of, if not the best defensive players in the league. You know, he could play linebacker, defensive end. He can blitz. He can drop back in coverage. He is literally a, a do-it-all kind of defensive player. So uh, I'm glad he'll just, be back soon. And a, just an absolute game breaker. I mean, it's crazy how he could just affect a game you know, just every play out there. It seems like he's making an impact. Uh, next game on the docket that I want to talk about. Um, it's a weird one. It's a weird one because Minnesota, Buffalo, Buffalo, the, the, the last number I saw was three. I saw it at three flat Buffalo are the favorites. Now I have, I have one friend who's a massive Buffalo Bills fan and we talk football every week and he was obviously worried the sky's falling. They just lost to the jets and uh, now Josh Allen's injured. And I said to him, okay, here's the deal. Sean McDermott is a really good coach and th- it's not like he got injured in the last day of practice here. They're probably being mentally prepared to not play with Josh Allen. The defense has been banged up pr- pretty much all season. And frankly, on the other side, I don't like Minnesota. I just don't like them. There's something about them that I, I'm not a believer. I'm really not a believer. I'm tempted to take Buffalo minus three. Talk me into it. Talk me out of it. I don't know. Well, here, here's the thing. Anybody that's watching now, the, the comment section is always great. Any sick podcast. I've never done one live, but this one and on with Tony, uh, the, the, the comments are great. And I have, I have something for you. I don't like Minnesota either. And I'll tell you why. It's pretty simple. I'm in Detroit, NFC North. Slappy. Yeah. I'm a, I'm a huge Detroit Lions fan. You can hit any wah, wah, wah sound effects you want. But to me, Minnesota, it's not about the, pl- the players or their head coach or the organization. The Minnesota Vikings fans are some of the most, uh, I'm going to leave it alone. They, they will, they will hammer it home. I've seen people, you know, shave their heads and get tattoos because they're so in love with Kirk Cousins. But I will say this from a player standpoint Kirk gets it done 
Kirk is an okay quarterback, yeah. but the the relentless, the relentlessness, and they're just irrational, and it's just they're insufferable. That's the word. Minnesota Vikings fans <laughs> are insufferable. When we look at this one, uh, I just to be fair, I tweeted out some some funny stuff today this morning when I was writing and reading about the idea of Case Keenum having to start at quarterback because last I looked, it is Friday evening, about twenty two eleven on the eastern eastern front in Michigan. Here, Josh Allen was scheduled to practice today. He wasn't there. He didn't know call no show like like a nine to five job like us Mm -hmm. but you're right I think they're mentally preparing uh, for Case Keenum to be the quarterback and when you look back through the length of Case Keenum's career he's been pretty damn good in relief of a quarterback heck he took Minnesota to an NFC championship game in 2017 bomb on that bomb to Stefan Diggs against the Saints. Yeah. So hit Saints, Saints fans, they're going to cry. But when you look at Diggs and and uh, and Case Keenum, there's history there. And you can't just, that, that stuff just doesn't die, right? You get in a relationship or you're best friends with someone. That doesn't go away. If you're, it's a true blue love or friendly relationship, it's like you pick up like time has never passed. And when we look at Minnesota Buffalo, I'm still running with Buffalo here. I had Buffalo to win this one 31 to 17, 28 to 17. And I don't think that changes. As much maybe they lean on Devin Singletary a little bit more, right? He looks for a good bet for some over props and DFS formats. So to me, uh, the, the, uh, Josh Allen, right? We talked about TJ Watt. He's a game breaker. Josh Allen is in fact a studly game breaker on offense. But maybe I'm stupid. Maybe you need to hit me in the head with a board here. I still think Buffalo takes care of business, and I, I don't want to say it's not going to be close, or or I, I'm not thinking twice about it. But Buffalo will still move the pieces and get this job done because their head coach and the way this organization is from the ground up and the fans and they've waited for this these last few years for a lifetime and to me Buffalo will win this one even with Case Keenum at quarterback I'm taking Buffalo minus the points they're going to win as I let's just call it I'm not even going to change my final score with Josh or without (laughs) Josh Buffalo wins this one 28 to 17. I I love it I love it because you know and I love that you brought up Case Keenum and Stefan Diggs because that's what I, I remember. I was talking to my friend, and, I, and I'm and I'm letting him know. Listen, you're going to be mentally prepared to to get, go into this game with Josh Allen, whether he plays or he doesn't. But if he doesn't, it is the Case Keenum revenge game, and it is go. the Stefan Diggs revenge game. So I'm happy you said that. We're on the same page there. Um, I'll try. Well, one, we, I, we should try and fight and disagree on these next few because it's been we've been been very yeah, uh, chummy, yeah, no, I, chummy and yeah yeah agreeable. So I'll see what I can do if you want to fight. Sure. Yeah, let's see. Uh, okay, I, I think this one we might find a disagreement. I hope we do at least once. Come on, we're gonna, we, uh, Jacksonville heading to Kansas City. Kansas City nine and a half point underdogs. I'm not going to bet this game because you know I might do a last minute one, but I. If I'm going to bet this game, I'm taking Jacksonville with the points. And I'm not teasing it up. I'm taking Jacksonville with the points. I just, with the way that the Chiefs looked against the Titans last week, I wasn't impressed. They were unable to move the ball until, you know, Mahomes turns on his, uh, flipped on his on switch. And, you know, you might get the Kansas City juggernauts this week. It might happen. But I don't know. I'm... Jacksonville, I have full confidence in their offense. Defense, eh. But I think they can hang with him. There's I think there's, that, I think it's I think it's open for a backdoor here. I'm with you. There's two things in this one. And and to be fair, uh, you know, I, I, I 
I don't hate that call taking Jacksonville and the points here, but I'm just not going to touch that. The move for me here, the play for me is just, it's simple, easy peasy. Just take the over. I believe it opened at about 50 and a half points in a side. I think that might be, that's that's the highest over under on the slate as of a few days ago. And so to me, uh, Kansas City at Jacksonville, this one screams over 50 and a half points. And this one screams just absolute stackability from a DFS perspective, both sides of this thing, right? We can mm-hmm. stack up Patrick Mahomes and uh, Juju and then Travis Kelsey, and we can run it back with Travis Etienne or Marvin Jones. And then on the flip side, we can stack up Trevor Lawrence, Travis Etienne, Marvin Jones, and Evan Ingram. And then the run back would probably be something like Juju or Kelsey. So this game to me, I have this final score 35 to 24. So we're going to see a ton of points well over the 50 and a half. So let's stack this game up in DFS. And I'm taking the over to me. If you wanted to do that, I could see the case because right now uh, the final score is I have Kansas City winning by like 11 points. So if you wanted mm-hmm. to tease that to 11 and a half, 12 and a half, I think now we're talking. But to me, it's not it's not safe by any means, but it makes more sense for me to, to bet on the over 50 and a half points. And I think we're just we could take that one to the bank. And I'm not kidding. Uh, okay, let's let's find one where we could disagree because you, you started off your answer by saying I'm right there with you. So let, let's let's go here. I mean, it's it's tough, man. It's a tough slate because there's games that you know they're 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 hard to get a grasp on. These bookmakers, they know what they're doing. Past week six, they really know what they're doing. It's it's insanity. So let let's talk Cleveland, Miami. Cleveland's three and a half point dogs. Hesitant to take Cleveland, but but very tempted. To me, this one is, it's all about Miami. And I think that that's pretty clear. And again, in this day and age of of professional football and sports betting and all that, you always like, even when you're playing dice or something at the casino, you ride the hot hand. This guy keeps keeps hit, hitting sevens and elevens. And right now, Miami is is just on the fast track to, to the playoffs, right? With, with Tua and, and Hill and Waddle, even Gasecki, you can toss him in there a, a little bit here. But to me, uh, when you look at Miami and Cleveland in Miami it's in Miami at the Hard Rock Stadium this one over under 49 total points again I do think Cleveland hangs but I have Miami to win this one 31 uh, to 20 again another game back-to-back games here where I love the idea of stacking this whole thing up from a DFS perspective if you like Cleveland I'm on Miami if you want Miami I can argue Cleveland I'm sure we'll find one here soon even if if you want me to read one the Rams playing Stafford and Kyler Murray Mm -hmm. I don't know but Give me Miami uh, to win this one in what should be relatively, you know, not NFL, nothing comes easy. But to me, Miami will be win this one and then, boom, as I said, fast track uh, to the playoffs in the AFC. Well, Miami, really quick, do you think Miami will have a chance to challenge either Buffalo or Kansas City in the, in the AFC when they get to the playoffs? Because we've already marked in Buffalo and Kansas City in the AFC championship game. Well, Miami's going, not, not, well, uh, what about us? We're playing well, too. Right. So I'm going to, this is where we're going to find our disagreement. Uh, so I'm, I respect Miami. I have to respect them. You got to respect a six and three team. There, there's no doubt about that. However, it, it seems like they're just eking by every game. You know, they, they, they broke a three game losing streak against the Steelers 16 to 10. It kind of seemed like Tua threw up five ducks that could have been intercepted in that game that just weren't. So that's, Number one, the other, you know, the Lions 
had the lead the entire game. And I know there's arguments to both sides. The good teams will find a way to win. They'll find a way to eke it out and win. And that's Miami's a good team. Again, last week against Chicago, they only won by three in a game that, you know, everyone was saying, ah, Chicago's defense stinks. They're, they got no chance against Tua. And it's just, I have my reservations about the Dolphins and I'm not prepared to call them you know, bona fide Super Bowl contenders, but you know, listen, it's the NFL playoffs. It's one game. Anything could happen. Could, would I be shocked beyond belief if they did challenge those teams? No, but I'm I'm certainly not expecting it. I just think there, there's too many there's too many concerns for me, uh, notably with Tua, because I I, I want to believe and I want him to succeed. He's such a likable guy. But he's he he's really he's underthrowing a lot. I, I'm noticing, and you know he's lucky he's got Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle, and it's just the defense I can't get behind. So there you the have mo- it. The the idea behind Tua to me, and if we go back to Chicago, I'll be quick here. I probably got like what mm-hmm. nine or ten minutes left here. When you look at, at, at Tua, what and what Miami did, they eked by. But what Justin Fields set a record for a quarterback yeah. rushing yards. They were just eating up time of possession. But when you look at Miami, it's like uh, you, any any play Waddle or Tua can take it to the house, and you add in the likes of Jeff Wilson Jr., Raheem Mostert. So there is four and Gasecki to a certain. I don't know why I've mentioned Gasecki twice, but to a certain extent, he's got a lot of very skilled offensive weapons around him, and that kind of helps, you know, to, to make up for the lack of the quarterback. To be fair, what if we were to, I know this isn't like a New York uh, sports talk show where we're going to yell and all that, but what if we were yeah. to put, what if we were to put Jared Goff in this Miami Dolphins offense? Do you think they'd have the same success? And I, I think so. Okay. I'm not just saying that because I'm no. a Detroit guy and I'm a Jared Goff fan, but you know what I mean? I think uh, there's uh, probably a half dozen court in the, the bottom half of the quarterbacks in the NFL as of right now if you just whoop, plugged him in there I think Miami would still be having some sort of the success because mm. Waddle and Tyree Kill are doing a lot of the work right and you get two guys what Jeff Wilson and Raheem Mostert to help you know kind of patch up put band-aids on the airmail balls from Tua Tunga Taga Tunga Viola here so to me uh Miami when you look at this one two things that stand out the under in five of Cleveland's last six games on the road and the under four and oh in Miami's last four games at home so where I'm saying over but everything is pointing late lately recently everything's pointing to the under both teams separately so we're going to talk a couple more games because there, frankly, there are a few games that I, you know, I'm just not interested in, namely the Colts and the Raiders. Um, but you know, you you're taking under, you're taking the under. So I want to throw this game at you because this is a game I am smashing the under in, and that's Denver at Tennessee. Tennessee two and a half point favorites. I mean, this is just you know, they're going to have a, they're probably going to have a, wow, what percentage can you put? Ryan Tannehill out there at his health at 70, 60 against the worst offense in the NFL. Yeah. Denver is broken right now. Yeah. So even if, even if Tannehill doesn't play, I mean, Malik Willis had what? No completions last week. I think it was to receivers. This screams, screams to me, you know, a 12 to 10 win on either side, you know, just take the under run, that one's on the house. It's on me and Chris. You know, thank you very much. You could send us our royalty check in the mail later. 
Absolutely. I'm with you 100% on the under, but I think, you know, I the over-under as it sits right now, last I look, is right around 39 total points, and I have yeah. the final score equaling 38 total points, so we might sweat it out, but, you know, a, a good sweat on Sunday is all, it's not, that's not a bad thing, and this one does kick no, off no, at 1 p.m., so we'll go from there. When we look at Tennessee, uh, I do believe that they win uh, handedly. I think that this is going to be one of those games, final score, like 24 to 14, that's your 38. If it's 24 to 10 now we're even under and if it's 24 13 we're under a few more points but this game the final score people are going to look at and go well you know what denver lost by 10 but it's going to be like well they, they caught up late in the fourth court the the the, the mm-hmm. final score isn't uh indicative uh, of indicative of what actually happened i think tennessee absolutely hammers home derrick henry i do think hilliard gets a few carries and and we go from there whoever is the quarterback whether it's uh, uh tanny or malik willis i do believe they have Tennessee has the horses uh, to really beat up on, on on the Denver Broncos here, which they look broken. I will say this, if we're going to put any sports books, player props in, I'm going over on anything and everything Jerry Judy. Might sound contradictory, but I do still think one player can have a good game on the opposing team yeah. if we're going to go under here. But Jerry Judy facing this Tennessee defense, it's like a slam dunk. When you look at Tennessee, 29th overall against opposing, uh, opposing wide receivers. So to me, Jerry Judy, seven, eight targets, five catches, 75 yards, and a touchdown. So I'm stacking up and I'm using Jerry Judy as a one-off in DFS formats. We're taking the under here and we look for Derrick Henry to just just be just do King Henry stuff. You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, I'm right. I'm again right there with you. And you know what? We'll talk about a player prop game that I'm on because I'm on this heavy, especially because I just got him in my fantasy football league. Saquon Barkley and the New York Giants. Four and a half point favorites to the Houston Texans. I've been thinking about taking the Giants with the points. I can't get my can't quite get myself there, but I'm telling you what I am taking. Saquon Barkley over 94 and a half rushing yards. Easy. Not even thinking about it twice. Saquon Barkley, anytime touchdown. I'll even, you know what? I'll even up the ante. I'll give you what I actually put money on. Saquon Barkley, two or more touchdowns. This Houston defense is horrific against the run. And I don't say that lightly. I said it. They're dead last. They're 32nd. The last I looked, there's only 32 teams in the league. They're dead last. Well, well, that's, and I said this, I said this two weeks ago when I spoke to Andy McNamara of our sick podcast in Cleveland, I was confidently taking Derek Henry's overs, two touchdowns and whatever else, you know, whatever else other prop humanly possible was on Derrick Henry against the Houston Texans, and it happened. So I'm not even thinking about this one twice. Give me Saquon Barkley all day. Yeah, I, I'm with you. And, and when we look at, at betting, I'm not even going to throw out betting trends. This one is just a slam dunk. You'd have to be a, a real bozo not to see that that Saquon Barkley is going to go absolutely crazy. He is the most expensive priced running back on FanDuel. And uh, I think he's in front. Uh, he's behind Christian McCaffrey in terms of player mm-hmm. pricing on DraftKings. To me, uh, I'm going to get really overly ambitious with this. It's Friday night. It's 11 o'clock. I should be in go bed, ahead. but we're having fun here. I think we're looking at Saquon Barkley, 100. 
or excuse me, 25 carries. And I think to be fair with you, Matt, we're looking at a, a floor of 120 rushing yards. I think we have a case here for Saquon Barkley to put up one of those 200 all-purpose yards games. Uh, a couple touchdowns, two would be cool as well. But three, how, what do we? Where do we go from there? And again, this might be one of those games where if you're playing DFS formats uh, and you don't have Saquon Barkley, your night is over. What you're you're not even going to come close to scratching the money line. That's what you call chalk. He is a in your face. You gotta <laughs> have it. But let's get wild and let's get crazy. Everyone's saying, yeah, Barkley's a great play. Yeah, but who's willing to have the stones to really say what they mean and really, you know, in their mind, their daydreams? Who's ready to say Saquon Barkley can has a chance here, a very high chance of going over 200 or more all-purpose yards with a pair of touchdowns? I've already placed that bet. I've teased his over yard. I like I moved everything around like the shell right. game, you know, on New York, on New, on New York or something like that. So to me, Saquon Barkley at minimum, Matt, 25 carries, 130 yards on the ground, and then we're going to add in another 30, 35 receiving. So to me, Saquon Barkley is is, is the first one in a long time that we can count on just un, a copious amounts of yardage and a couple touchdowns. D- done deal, right? I, not kidding. Right? No, I, I'm, I'm, again, right there with you. I'll give you another player prop game. LA Chargers against the San Francisco 49ers. Um, I don't see a way. The, the Chargers move the ball well on offense in this game. They're just way too banged up. Um, you know, how many times can you give the ball to Austin Eckler? Uh, so I'm going to, with with that being said, I don't think, I, I'm not going to touch the line because I think seven points is too much. But what I will say, because they will not be able to move the ball all that well, San Francisco's offense will be on the field a lot. That being said, Christian McCaffrey, I saw this number, over 119 and a half total rushing and receiving yards. Smash. Don't even think twice about it. Yeah, it's beautiful. The only thing I disagree here, I, I do have the uh, the L.A. Chargers to actually win this thing. And they're getting mm, seven points right now. So you have a team, and this is just betting 101. You have a team, first of all, you, you, you did the math and whatever. I'm talking to someone out there like they're doing notes right now. So, A, you have a team to win, and B, you look, and oh my God, the team I already have projected to win is getting points. You love to see that. The one thing that I love about this game is I think it's going to be neck and neck. We're talking like under a minute San Francisco's driving and they just need a field goal to tie this thing and Jimmy G does I don't want to say does something stupid or silly but hey tip pass <laughs> or just a straight interception uh, for Jimmy G to the uh, Los Angeles Chargers DST and the Chargers wind up winning this thing 30 to 27 and also if I may say that the over under in this one is like 46 and a half really odd kind of number uh, six and a, and a, and a yeah. half at the end here so to me the over is a great move right 30 to 20 Seven, doing the quick math, that's 57 points, well over 46 and a half. Give me the Chargers plus seven uh, in this one. And what about the fact, you know, Josh Palmer or DeAndre Carter? Keenan Allen has already been out. Jalen Guyton had uh, just had constructive knee surgery the other day. As you said, Austin Eckler can only do so well, he, he do so much. He does a lot. But I think mm-hmm. uh, Justin Herbert is, is a great bet for a pair of touchdowns. And if you want to, and, if you, and it's Friday night, as I said a million times, if you want to put Justin Herbert uh three or more touchdown passes I wouldn't be mad at you given the fact I have the Chargers to win and hang 30 points 
All right, we're going to go through two more games. We're going to touch on them really quickly because we're going a little bit late, uh, and I don't want to keep you too, too long. Um, so just quickly, uh, just a quick note about this game. Arizona against LA uh, against the LA Rams. They're on the road. Arizona is. The LA Rams are three-point favorites. Now, I know that Cliff Kingsbury, uh, his owner is Sean McVay. Um, however, without Stafford, uh, the potential of being without Stafford and it's just, and I mean, LA just looks so bad. They they look horrible. I'm not, I'm tempted again. I'm tempted, but Arizona is on my blacklist. I do not bet on Arizona anymore. I've been bitten by them by too many times, but I, I'm, I'm so close. I'm so close to breaking that blacklist just because of how bad LA looked against the Tampa Bay Bucks last week. Yeah, I have to be fair. I'll, I'll be quick. Uh, you know, quick, quick is not in my vocabulary. I'm very wordy. <laughs> I think that's why Tony and I got along so well. We we talked forever uh, about just not the Flintstones. I don't know if anybody caught the broadcast, but when you look at the the Arizona and the Rams, I have Arizona to win by exactly four points. So that that covers okay. the point spread here. Arizona to win this one, 21 to 17. Stafford looks bad news. I mean, they what are they doing in their backfield with their running backs? They kind of oust this guy and Cam Akers. They couldn't. Tra- him and they look the team looks like a sucker cam Akers comes back he does nothing stafford is not using his wide receivers van jefferson one of you know not the premier but this this kid is good at at a few things one of them is go routes and catching long balls and he hasn't been targeted for like two weeks in a row now so give me arizona uh to win this one and by the way this might help you arizona 10 and 4 against the spread their last 14 games on the road so i'm going to give you the i'm going to give you the okay remove them from the black Let's take Arizona minus the points. We're going to be okay. Now, this next one is going to be our last one. Uh, I find it super, super interesting because I don't view the Green Bay Packers as bad as everyone thinks they are. And, you know, this is an interesting one because you're you're a Detroit Lions fan. So I got to – we got to – Let's keep a level head here just as I do when I, uh, when I talk Ravens, Steelers, Browns. Now – I just think the Green Bay Packers have been incredibly unlucky. Just like there has to be regression at some point in the red zone turnovers. You know, the, the they're second in run efficiency, in, in run success rate, excuse me. So just, I, I'm, again, just after what I saw them being able to do against Buffalo and keeping it close in the way that they did and cover that spread, it's it's way smaller. It opened at five and a half. Now it's at four. It moved a lot. Um, so I, I mean, four might be a little too close for comfort. But I'm I'm curious to get your take on on where you view this game and how you view, you know, because I I feel like everyone's going to be on the Dallas Cowboys. At least all the public money is going to be on the Dallas Cowboys. Yeah, and, and at last I looked, the Sharps are kind of leaning that way too, which paints a story. So again, if, if you'd like to, you could. there's some real money to be made with the Packers. I'm just not seeing it, right? And to be fair, Green Bay and Dallas, that's a long-time story to history. Both NFC, they put one, Green Bay plays in the north, uh, Dallas plays in the east here. But get this one, the road team is 4-0 and against the spread. The last four uh, times this team has met, Green Bay 1-5 and against the spread, their last six. six. And when we look at this, we can throw 
throw out, you know, ATS and straight up and over unders and all that. You said maybe there's the red zone, red zone turnovers. Maybe that something's got to happen. They're unlucky. What about the fact that, that Aaron Rodgers has been a thorn in the Lions side and a thorn in the Mm -hmm. NFC North side for so long? Is it over for him? Is, is, has the narcissism and ego completely (laughs) eaten his brain and he can't even focus on the field? So to me, you said, keep a level head. And here I go putting Aaron Rodgers down, but hey, wouldn't be the first time. Probably not going to be the last time. But I have Dallas to 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 be fair with you, Matt. Run away with this thing. I, I think they double right. them up. We're looking at like twenty eight to fourteen, and maybe you know late in the game, uh, you know uh, Dallas kicks a field goal, 31, 14, something like that. So I'm taking Dallas minus the points. And to be fair, I would even tease Dallas minus ten points if you wanted to. I have them winning by fourteen or more. So tease it to twelve and a half, thirteen, and whatever you want to do. But Dallas, I, I I think doubles them up, and and we can put the the Green Bay to the playoffs. Relax that we could put all that to bed. They're done. They're out. And uh, no offense to Green Bay Packers fans, uh, they're great people. But uh, it's over. It's over for Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> well, 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 that's it. You know, you said it right there. Is that this is their season? This game because frankly, the NFC is it's pretty wide open in terms of you know wild card teams being able to make it in. So. This game is their season. I think they'll come out with some jump. This is why I don't have the stones to take Green Bay with the points because at the end, I do think Dallas, uh, you know, they could, they will, you know, they'll get that running game going. And, and once, once that happens, Rashad Gary's out. It, it's, you, you don't got much of a chance unless Aaron Rodgers re- returns to pre ayahuasca game uh, days. So, I forgot about, I just heard that like, uh, like last week. And I did, I noticed he, he made a lot of off season, like broadcast. He was on Joe Rogan. Yeah. He, you know, he was on like the busting it with the boys and I, you've never, you're not, I'm not used to seeing Aaron Rodgers. you know, just sitting around on a broadcast, but, uh, yeah, he looked, he looked not himself very gaunt. And I didn't know he took ayahuasca supposed to be a spiritual experience, but Hey, what do I know? Uh, I'm not Aaron Rodgers, and I'm sure as heck not a professional football quarterback. Oh, well, that's it. So, uh, Chris, uh, just tell us before I let you go, tell us a little bit about what you do and where we could find your work. Yeah, first and foremost, I've been given the golden opportunity to join the family here at the Sick Podcast, and I'm a huge Red Wings fan. I'm a huge hockey guy, so I lead the lead the cause here about on the Red Wings Sick Podcast. And to be fair, I'm sure I watched the broadcast before I hopped on. You both were talking hockey and all that, and the Wings look to be you know on the right path, you know, growing and trending up here. So every Sunday afternoon, I get together and we talk hockey. I go over the week that was, uh, what's going on right now, and we. Look look ahead to the following week and it's been pretty great and it's so fun you know looking and following a team uh, w- with the GM like Iserman who I idolized as a kid growing up here on the east side of Detroit so doing the sick uh, Red Wings podcast is like a dream come true it's not even like work I don't wake up and go man I gotta wake up and I gotta talk about that like it's it's all sunshine and rainbows right now thankfully we went through the stormy weather and boom here we are off and running and the rest of my stuff is on, on my Twitter at Detroit Beastie I talk betting trends DFS single game NFL slates videos and all that so I am uh, I love DFS I love some sports betting and I love everything Detroit specifically the Red Wings and unfortunately the Lions but hey what are you gonna do it's in that Honolulu blue and silver uh, is in my blood Matthew thanks for having me what a blast Chris, it's been a pleasure, and we'll do this again sometime. Thanks for joining us. Anytime. Thank you. 
All right. So the Sick Podcast brought to you by Playground. Playground has over 600 machines, poker tournaments, and Playground casino games, daily promotions, and unmatched customer service. Why go anywhere else? Located just over the Mercier Bridge, only minutes away from downtown Montreal. All right. It's that time. It's time for Sick Picks. It's time for Sick Picks. Brought to you by Betway. All right, the sick picks are presented by Betway. Click the link in the YouTube description to sign up. You must be 19 years old or older to play. Please play responsibly. All right, I went 5-0 and last week. The pressure's on. I, I Again, this is one of those things where I'm very, I'm, I'm very insecure about my picks. Every time I give my picks publicly, I always think, all right, here we go. Now's the time that I'm going to be a loser. Anyways. We spoke about a couple of them. So I'm going to roll with the Steelers at plus one and a half. That's what that I'm that I'm taking that and I'm running with it because again, Mike Tomlin, I said it before, I said it again, 15, three and three as a career home dog against a pretty bad New Orleans Saints team. So we're taking the Steelers plus one and a half. Denver and Tennessee. We're going to go under 39 points. And like I said with Chris, you're taking your biggest hammer and you're throwing it down on that. It's, it's so, it's not even, I can't conceive a way in my mind that this game goes over 39 points. 39 points isn't a lot. And Hey, maybe the Broncos put it together and Russell Wilson's going to be listening to this and he's going to, you know, it's going to light a fire under his butt and you know, he's going to take over and he's going to show me that I'm wrong and that I'm an idiot and all that. But until that happens, we're fading the Denver Broncos. The, the the unders constantly hit in their games. The unders are constantly hitting in Tennessee Titan uh, in Tennessee Titan games. We're going under thirty nine points. Another one. Seattle plus two and a half. Vegas sportsbooks usually get it right. I, I I can't put this one together. I don't know why Tampa Bay is favored. Tampa Bay outgained L A last week by a significant margin. Oh. It just so happened that Tampa Bay also ran 79 plays and it took them 79 plays to get just over 300 yards of total offense. Ridiculous. Give me Seattle. They're a competent football team. They're six and three. They look good. Give me Seattle. I think they're winning this game outright, but just to be safe, we're going to take them plus two and a half. If you can find them at plus three, take them. Definitely. If you're on the fence about two and a half. Definitely take him at plus three if you see that. The next one, Saquon Barkley over 94 and a half yards. Again, another smash. Take out a hammer and throw it down on this one. You know, if you want to take out your biggest hammer on this one, I wouldn't blame you either. Just this Houston Texans run deep is horrific. It is so bad. And, you know, Miles Sanders is a great running back. He's not rushing for 12 yards average, between 12 and 7 yards per carry average. Good. He was that good last week against this Houston Texans defense. Give me Saquon all day. And like Chris said, I wouldn't be shocked if he went over 200 yards from scrimmage, two touchdowns, 25 carries minimum. You know, he actually piqued my interest. I'm going to actually throw in 25 carries on Saquon in my existing parlay with Saquon on it. The last one I'm taking is Christian McCaffrey over 119 and a half total rushing and receiving yards combined. Because that Chargers run defense is almost, not quite, 
but almost as bad as that Houston Texans run defense. So give me Christian McCaffrey all day. I don't see Jimmy G stretching the field in this game. It's dump offs to Christian McCaffrey, his new best friend. And I just think it's a Christian McCaffrey game. And that's good for me because I got both those guys in my, in my fantasy football team that nobody cares about, but I mentioned it anyways. Uh, as for the Habs, I, I don't really have a pick for you because, you know, Detroit, Detroit Pitt played so the odds aren't really out, but you know, Tristan Jerry, I like Tristan Jerry. This isn't a part of my sick picks, but I'm going to talk Habs in, if you're going to throw a wager on them, Detroit's coming off a back to back. Tristan Jerry's in net. He's really good. You know, hesitant to pick a winner because the Habs are on a two game win streak and Pittsburgh looks good. But hey, if the game is at six and a half, like it was last week against Vegas, the goal line, take the under, just the under. It's a gut feeling, you know. The Canadians goaltenders have been fantastic. They're on a, they're on a couple days rest now. They played a back to back earlier in the week, and you know it's Pittsburgh. If they're going to hang around and they're going to dominate that game, I'm expecting whoever it may be, either Jake Allen or Samuel Montembeau, to carry the load and keep the Canadians in that game. So to sum up, we got Steelers plus one and a half, Denver against Tennessee under 39 points, Seattle plus two and a half points. Saquon Barkley over 94 and a half rushing yards and Christian McCaffrey over 119 and a half total rushing and receiving yards combined. Just quickly before we end the show, quick shout out to my friend, Matt Azen, who is getting married tomorrow night uh, to Carrie Wallace, uh, Carrie Wallace, childhood friend of mine, Matt Azen, been a best friend of mine for years. Very happy and excited to celebrate with you guys tomorrow night. That's it for me. Tony's back on Monday. Peace. And that's a wrap. Hope you don't miss us too much until next time. Follow the Sick Podcast with Tony Marinero on YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, Google Play, and Apple Podcasts. The Sick Podcast is brought to you by Energy Transportation Group. Driven to be different. 8.6. Intense by nature. And La Cage. If the last time you went to La Cage was when the Habs won the cup, it's time you went back to La Cage. The menu will surprise you.